Echo Chamber, brought to you by The Homes Report and produced by the international broadcast specialist Marketeers 4DC. Welcome to The Echo Chamber. This is Arun Sudharman and today in the studio we have got Walk Head of Content, David Tiltman, my um, ex-Haymarket colleague going back. A few That's years. a long time ago. Yeah, and, and a number of time zones, in fact, because we were both in Hong Kong. But welcome, David. Thank you, Arun. Glad to be here. Uh, and we're here to talk about a product that you have come out with at Walk. Well, I say product. It sounds really um, mercenary. It's not a product. It's a beautiful research it's report. labor of love. It's a labor of love. Yes, indeed. Uh, the Walk 100, which I thought was really interesting. Um Tell us a little bit about it. It's it's uh, it's described as a ranking of the world's best marketing campaigns and companies. Kind of when I read it, it, it sort of seemed to me to be like the gun report for geeks. <laughs> the gun report for geeks. Well, we, we wouldn't mind that. Uh, we wouldn't mind that description. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, for those of your listeners who don't know uh, uh, who Walk uh, is, we are a um, an online subscription service. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, publish premium content for strategy people in uh, advertising, marketing, media, mm-hmm. and our clients tend to be uh, strategists within uh, within agencies of all sorts, plus also client side, increased growing um, user mm-hmm. base and client side. So. Uh, we're best known for publishing case studies. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a database of around uh, well, more than 10,000 effectiveness uh, case studies drawn from all over the world. And the Walk 100 as a product kind of grew out of that. Uh, we publish all these cases from all over the world. And we thought, well, you know, we really, uh, th- there really needs to be a way for people to kind of know what, What's doing particularly well? What are the what are the best performing case studies out there? There's so much stuff being entered in so many different competitions, mm-hmm. um, and and you know there there are there are obviously ranking models out there. You mentioned the the <laughs> gun report, um, yeah, uh, and we thought well. You know, there's a lot of effectiveness and strategy competitions out there. Mm. Uh, th- there should be some kind of way to keep track of what's doing well and and kind of surfacing the best work that's that's consistently being judged to be excellent mm. uh, by by its peers. Yeah. So uh, the Walk 100 is is essentially a rankings product that tracks um, well all, nearly 80 competitions worldwide. All of them are effectiveness and strategy competitions. So this is about work that works. Uh, mm. It's about Campaigns that are really having an impact. Um, they're not. We don't track any competition that judges are uh, just based on how creative it is, how beautiful a thing it is. Mm. Um, it, it has to be judged um, on its impact, on results, on results. Gosh, uh, so it's a revolutionary idea <laughs> in the world. In the world of advertising, <laughs> who would have thought the results might matter in uh, in a service industry? Um, but so we, we track all this stuff and, um, you know, the, the methodologies on the site, but we, we, we spend a lot of time on the methodology in terms of how do we translate performance in these competitions into uh, some kind of points total. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, you know, it, it involves kind of all the, all the competitions we track are weighted and we weight the competitions based on uh, a poll we've done of planners and strategists all over the world. So we've got a really good oh. idea of of what okay. what competitions people think matter, uh, and that that helps us choose which competitions yeah. to track and then weight them. And do you, uh, do you 
publicise the... Uh, no, that would be... Uh, that, uh, that, that's uh, gold dust. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. and, and, and for good reasons, you know. I mean, it's... it's um, uh, you know, if we... If, what we don't want to do is is start to really kind of prejudice uh, uh, award entries. You know, it's not a, yeah. that's not in our interest to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't um, want to you don't want these competitions getting upset with you either. Well, I'm I'm sure you know uh, I'm, I'm sure they would uh, if they knew they were being tracked they would be delighted. I'm but sure, um, yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I mean it, you know obviously that that stuff is is commercially mm-hmm. sensitive information. It's um, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's also you know it could be very prejudicial to the, to the decisions people make on how to spend their awards budgets. Um, yeah. So no, we don't. Uh, mm-hmm. In in short. But by awarding points, by weighting points, and then by adding them all up all over the world, we get to uh, generate a list of the highest performing campaigns mm-hmm. across the world of effectiveness and strategy. Right. Um, and uh, because all those campaigns are obviously credited to agencies, to brands, we get to um, we get to rank agencies and brands and networks and holding companies and mm. even countries uh, uh, and. Um, it, it's uh, it's it's quite a uh, well. There's a lot of data in there. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, everyone loves rankings, right? And I'm just looking through your ranking of of, of the campaigns that that performed best. Um, so you, you, number one is Penny the Pirate, mm-hmm. um, which is from Australia. Sure. By um, OPSN? So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's an optician chain in, okay. in Australia. Number two, uh, Like a Girl, of course. Yeah. Iconic. Um, actually came top of a, a, a similar ranking we do, which just looks at PR competitions. Mm-hmm. Number three, Project Architeuthis. Architeuthis, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, a campaign to recruit U.S. Navy cryptologists. Right, okay. Four, Inglorious Fruits and Vegetables by Intermarché mm-hmm. in France. And five, the uh, live test series Volvo. That's the um, Jean Claude. Yeah, the the Van famous Damme. the famous execution yeah. of that is the Jean Claude Van Damme. So epic split. Just looking at the top five, very different in terms of um, you know categories, markets, type of work. What are the learnings for you from from this year's um, top ranked campaigns? What are the most effective campaigns doing that's yeah. making them effective? Well. Um, I think there's a, there's a couple of things going on. Uh, we we're about to launch a, a kind of analysis of the the top ranked campaigns because um, mm-hmm. you can what we can do is is look at the Walk 100 as a as a set of a hundred campaigns and then we can compare them with all the other stuff we've published. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you imagine that we we publish more than a thousand case studies a year, so the Walk 100 is roughly ten percent of our uh, annual case study mm-hmm. base. And we tag everything by in the same way, by media channel, by campaign objective, by the metrics they're driving. So mm-hmm. we can compare that 100 with the other 900 that are yep. effective, but not as highly awarded, highly regarded as, mm-hmm. as, as the top ones. And we found some quite interesting things. I mean, you, you mentioned the top five there. I mean, you know, that's just, obviously that's just five case studies. So you, it's hard to, to draw conclusions just from those five. But if you're looking across the top 100, what you're seeing in some of those top five is is repeated. There's a lot, there's a, there's a, there's a big shift among 
these kind of most highly awarded campaigns towards what we kind of call digital-led models. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't mean they're digital-only campaigns, but they uh, they focus in their primary uh, uh, kind of execution channel is um, some kind of digital platform, whether mm-hmm. that's social media or online video uh, or, or some kind of digital um, mm, an app. property, yeah. an, an app or a... Yeah. Um, so... Uh, it's it's very interesting that um, that we, we're seeing uh, we're seeing digital led models do so well. Now, what I would caution mm-hmm. is that this does not prove. You know, I'm certainly not here to say TV doesn't work anymore. Digital is the future. Bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. That's kind of nonsense. Mm. But I think it is interesting that um, in effectiveness and strategy competitions, we are seeing repeatedly digital-led campaigns coming to the top. Mm-hmm. Why? Any ideas why? Well, two things. Be? Two two reasons. One is that they are um, they are they are delivering commercial results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to to get to the top of this this stuff, they they have to be working. Mm. So. Um, uh, like a girl, uh, uh, you know, delivered lots of mm-hmm. lots of interesting commercial results. Are in the, the case study if you if you read it. Yeah. Uh, Project Architeuthis recruited, you know, smashed all its targets for recruitment. Um, uh, the the Volvo Live Test series led to increase in purchase intent and a twenty three percent sales mm. increase. Again, according to the case study. Mm. So these kind of models are um, are working, if mm. you like. They're working on low budgets as well. Um, mm. And I think what is interesting is that these models are giving new ways to work effectively on low budgets. And mm. this is interesting. Um, yeah. If you look at this year's Walk 100, you could see a shift towards, uh, uh, compared with the previous year and compared with the overall case study set, you're seeing a shift towards uh, lower budget campaigns and short term campaigns, and that mm. is very very unusual. Now, if you go back any number of years and look at analyses of IPA effectiveness awards, Can Creative awards, mm. anything, uh, the big campaigns always perform better. Right, and that is because uh, in in your kind of classic media model. Um, Big budgets. There is a. It's, it's kind of the law of double jeopardy. You know, small campaigns, small budgets, small brands are uh, kind of. Uh, uh, um, there's a. Uh, what's the word? There's a. They they tend they they tend to find it harder to overperform because there isn't that scale. There isn't a kind of right. level of scale there. Okay. Um, so and they've got it, like it, a limited scope. It, it is. It is hard for. Uh, low-budget niche campaigns to kind of break through because yeah. they were operating on small scale. Yeah. Um, and and so, um, yeah, and there's, there's lots of there's lots of evidence for why this is the case. Uh, you look at the kind of Andrew Ehrenberg analyses of advertising effectiveness, which I won't bore you with now, but they are very interesting if you, uh, uh, if, 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 if that is the sort of thing you're interested in. Mm. Um, so there's always this sense uh, in the past, that high budget campaigns tend to drive the highest effects, hmm. um, okay. and in 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 terms of not necessarily in ratio terms, but in absolute terms. Okay. Um, right. Yeah. 
And what we're seeing is new models that allow low-budget work to overperform. So that's one element to it. However, it remains a very difficult trick to pull off. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons these things are being so well awarded is because people are saying, well, wow, look at what they did with With an online video, with with a low budget, with a video backed by PR, with um, with a... But isn't this just a a function of the cost of media now being, you know, much lower because these campaigns are digitally driven? Um, Well, I mean, is cost of... Is is the cost of reach lower? I mean, is the um, uh, you know yeah, you, you know point. the cost of distribution? Like, uh, uh, you, you know, you can just stick something on YouTube, but how are you actually gaining reach? Mm. Um, I mean, I don't I don't have the data, but the yeah. the, 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 the 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 most the best way to secure reach is still to buy a TV ad. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, you know, Facebook may may argue with that now, mm-hmm. but uh, but but if if uh, if reach is your goal, there are still good ways of securing reach um, uh, using using traditional media. You still have to pay. Mm. Um, I, I do think it's significant that uh, that we're seeing um, that we're seeing these models come you know, bubbling up to the top of this stuff. I, I don't think we would have seen this uh, three or four years ago. Mm. Interesting. Um, what else characterizes the best campaigns? I mean, I'm just reading some of the notes that you that, that in the analysis here and things like <coughs> product innovation, social issues, and so on. It seems to be some themes. Yes, yeah, so I mean, there's definitely something around. Um, well, I mean, both. The, I, I, I'll, I'll deal with both those separately. Uh, mm-hmm. So, the the product thing is interesting. I mean, OPSM. I'll, I'll just talk about that top mm-hmm. rank campaign, Penny the Pirate. They produced a. Um, uh, it, it was about uh, uh, they're an Australian um, optician chain, mm-hmm. and what they wanted to do was uh, uh, they they faced a lot of kind of discount competition, you know, f- no frills um, right. uh, opticians, uh, and they wanted to maintain a kind of premium positioning but increase turnover of business, which is a difficult difficult mm. thing to do. Um, yeah, um, the way they the way they did it was. Uh, not through, you know, let's produce a standard ad campaign, um, all mm. nice and fluffy. They actually produced a um, a book, a children's book that adults could, well, parents could read to their kids. Mm-hmm. But it, the book allowed you to test your child's eyesight as you read it to them. So, you know, there were kind of tests and, and things within the within the pages of the book that you could uh, that you could use to to kind of say, mm, okay, well, you know. They're picking this up. They're not picking this up, et cetera, et cetera. And they drove huge turnover of eyewear, um, eye test appointments on the back of this because mm-hmm. a lot of people were then going, mm, hang on, maybe I should get my kids' eyes uh, checked out. They're not picking up on these uh, things. Mm. Um, and it's it's very interesting. Uh, it's something we're seeing a lot more of in um, in these kind of competitions where the, the the big idea, if you like, is not necessarily an advertising idea. It's some kind of product innovation or service innovation that then is advertised. Um, mm. oh, okay. And, and yeah. is it's we we're seeing more of that. Um, again, it's I would say it's the exception rather than the rule, which is why it gets mm. very well 
highly awarded because you know people are wow how the hell did you how did you, how did you convince a client to do that um, but we have seen more of that in the last few years right okay um, I think that's I think that's kind of a long term trend and I think it's an area where a lot of advertising agencies really want to be but they don't they're not always equipped to do it because let's face it they're not innovation they're not normally pays to do innovation product innovation they're paid to produce advertising how could you say such thing? <laughs> well uh, <laughs> spoken like a someone who's covered ad agencies for a long time uh, yeah well anyway. yes yes obviously i have the greatest respect for uh uh for, for my ad agency friends um that the uh i think the uh the second your second point is an interesting one the um uh the, the social activism side um, mm. this is this is something that feels very uh, current now. Um, you mentioned like a girl was mm-hmm. uh, was one of the top campaigns. That was one of many many uh, uh, campaigns in the top top one hundred that um, took some kind of social activist stance. Uh, a lot of them, uh, interestingly, about female empowerment, which when you think about it, is a pretty safe space for a brand to right. play in. Yeah, I was going to ask about that, actually. I mean... Yeah, I mean, who's, who's going to say, yeah. you know, no, we don't believe in female empowerment? I mean, um, you might get pushback in some countries, but... Um, but I, even then, I mean, you, then yeah. in, there's, there's a case from India that... Um, yeah. In fact, we've seen loads of this in India. Yeah, there's tons um, in India. We, uh, yeah, I agree. In fact, we've even seen it, in, to be honest, in Saudi Arabia. There's been some interesting work. But I, I did want to ask you about that specifically, mm-hmm. because... That um, that focus on social issues is something we see as well in terms of campaigns that do well. But how comfortable are companies really with getting to grips with with sensitive social issues? And how, how comfortable are marketers? I mean, our sort of view on this mm. is that companies have to, to kind of take a stance. They can't sit on the sidelines. And but it's risky. You see, I mean, for every um, for every Howard Schultz um, being really uh, clear thinking and, and far-sighted on like veterans' rights. Mm-hmm. There's Howard Schultz being kind of myopic on race. So, <laughs> so it's it's a it's a tricky thing to get right. Ah, uh, look, I mean, it, it's going to vary hugely by the client, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there there are uh, uh, there are issues that um, uh, well, female empowerment is an obvious one. But there are issues that you would think would be not that controversial, uh, a lot of green issues, that there are actually a problem for a lot of companies who may have supply chains that Mm -hmm. involve palm oil or, you know, all that that kind of stuff. Um, And, you know, I I think that it it, it is standard advice now that if you're going to take a stand on something, you have to be whiter than white on that. Yeah, uh, on that issue, you can't be mm-hmm. you, greenwash is is very yeah. easily found out. Yeah, right. Um, I think there is there are interesting um, examples within the top one hundred of companies taking a um, more risky stance. I mean, the one that springs to mind is Honeymade, it's, it's breakfast cereal, I think. Uh, yeah. Um, and the um, they. Their positioning was around um, being the choice of modern fam- modern American families. Oh, right. And their um, different. And their their ad is all you know. Their their ads are all about what what does a, a modern American family look like? And mm. you know, you've got uh, mm-hmm. 
um, uh, you know, gay parents, you've got multicultural, uh, you've got single parents. I mean, it, it, and there's, there's a whole kind of, uh, they, they deliberately kind of took that edgy approach. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it can be polarizing, but they, they took that risk and they, they, they obviously figured that, you know, the people are going to be offended by this Mm-hmm. are going to be outweighed by the people this will resonate with. Yeah. Uh, no one else in the space is doing it. So yeah. Um, so it can be a great way to cut through, but mm. obviously it's going to vary. The com- It's going to be varied by company, by the, the level of risk you're prepared to take around that. Yeah. Sometimes I think companies, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, um, Honeymaid's uh, uh, kind of corporate structure, but sometimes I think companies with... Um, which aren't necessarily PL, uh, public limited companies or floats on the share, you know, responsible yeah. to shareholders. Sometimes companies that that have a, a, a an owner or a you know a clear purpose yeah. that comes down from the top uh, can take that kind mm-hmm. of stance. Where it's harder if you're, you know, if you've got analysts breathing down your neck every every three months to um, yeah to to kind of take a stance that could. You know, you're, you genuinely feel mm. feel slightly uncomfortable about. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you don't really. I mean, I don't know. Has Coca Cola taken much of a stand yet on on sugar? Are they? Well, <laughs> uh, pass. Um, uh, after George Osborne's budget yesterday, they yeah. um, they they might have to. They may. Yeah, this is true. Okay. So other themes um, beyond what we've discussed. Was anything else that jumped out? I mean. Well, something that might be interesting for your audience, uh, mm. and this kind of flows through from the points I've already made, um, we've we've seen a very interesting increase in usage of PR mm-hmm. uh, among mm. these top-ranked campaigns. Um, I mean, I, um, uh, if you compare the Walk 100 in 2015 with 2016, I think PR as a lead medium, lead media mm. channel, not just in the mix, um, was... Um, you know, more than trebled in terms of frequency. So, mm. we, I mean, it was mm-hmm. low base, but we're looking from about five to fifteen percent, roughly. Okay. Um, yeah. And I th- and that absolutely reflects what I've been talking about. If mm-hmm. you are taking a very socially activist stance, then PR is going to be a big, big element of that campaign. Yeah. On also, if you are taking a, um, if you are. Uh, don't have a huge budget for um, paid media, yeah. then you might choose to use PR uh, to to drive uh, yeah. uh, to drive awareness of of a, of a campaign. And um, the live test series from Volvo Trucks, Jean Claude Van Damme, is a very good example of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we spoke last year with the, the campaign team behind it, and they said they 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 set out only to use two media channels: YouTube and PR. Yeah, and that, that that's, that's it. it. And uh, with, you know, there was some. Some support uh, from other media as the campaign went on, but that mm. was their core was YouTube yeah. plus PR. Mm. I mean, I don't know about Like a Girl. Did that have a big paid? Well, uh, it, it had uh, no up until they decided to move it to a Super Bowl ad. Oh, uh, right. So, okay. so yeah. they uh, it it was a very socially yeah. driven initial kind of grassroots thing, but then they they went. This is working. Let's let's whack a great big Super Bowl ad behind it. Um, mm. Why not? Yeah, you know, you absolutely. should if you if you're a PNG and you've got a hit on your hands, double yeah. down on it. Yeah, and so you, you you also in addition to ranking the campaigns, you, you rank agencies, brands, and mm-hmm. so on. Um, so top brands, you've got 
Coca-Cola, McDonald's, OPSM. I mean, any surprises there, or is that just um, reflective I mean, of? Uh, I don't know spend? if there's. I don't know if there's surprises. I mean, there's. Um, I think. I think there's some interesting uh, movers in the both in the brand and the 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 company rankings. I mean, Heineken is one I point to, mm-hmm. um, which did well both as a brand and as a as a as a broader company. So Heineken owns. Um, Brands like Newcastle Brown Ale oh, and, yeah. and, and, right. and, and that kind of stuff, um, and they have they've uh, kind of gone up our rankings in the three years that, that we've done it, and they're well in the top ten. Um, mm-hmm. They uh, they do a lot of interesting stuff around the Champions League in the UK. They mm-hmm. obviously uh, own Newcastle Brown, that's done a lot of interesting stuff yeah, in, in the states, yeah. and they um, they're uh, they were can. Creative uh, advertiser of the year, right? Last year, okay. um, so there is a sense there that they've been trying a lot of things, trying to be more creative, mm. really kind of focusing on their marketing, and this would suggest that it's paying off and that they're they're delivering results mm-hmm. um, uh, around that. Okay. Uh, one interesting thing in the advertisers ranking is Tassa Group, um, oh, yeah. number ten, which mm. is interesting to see uh, a kind of emerging market company. Um, uh, re- in that kind of bracket of top performing advertisers, mm, yeah, um, okay. uh, and they've they've got a lot of I mean they've got a lot of stuff obviously in India, but they mm. uh, obviously they're Jaguar, uh, Land Rover, and there's there's a one of the top I think it was in the top twenty one of the campaigns from Jaguar in the US did did very well as well. Mm, okay, um, in terms of agencies, um, so the creative agencies that that, that rank at the top. Um, M- Mullen Low Lintas um, mm-hmm. in that's in Mumbai, yeah. Uh, Droga, f- oh, that's in Mumbai, is it? Okay, interesting. Yes. Oh, yeah. right, of course, so it's just low. It's basically, yes. it's basically low, right? That's, yes, I mean, uh, yes, that's Mumbai. right. They've they've got a new um, new agency brand. Unilever, I, I assume, in India. Or uh, is there more yes, to I it? mean Unilever's a lot of it, um, mm. but they've they. Um, They've they've got campaigns for mm. other uh, 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 clients in there as well. Droga Five now, to me, I, I it, it seems pretty normal for Droga Five to be up there. But you were saying that actually they've they've moved up the rankings. They really have. I mean, don't forget these are effectiveness and strategy rankings. So Droga yeah. Five is known as a highly creative. Right. Droga, Droga Five in New York. This yeah. is uh, a specific agency office was I think was number two in the world, highest ranked mm-hmm. U.S. agency. Um, and, uh, so obviously they're known as very creatively, uh, sound shops. So you would always expect them to see top of the creative rankings. Yeah. Uh, that's not always the case in the kind of Mm -hmm. effectiveness and strategy stuff. And I, I get the impression having spoken to them that they've had a kind of push in the last few years to, in terms of making their kind of creativity really culturally resonant, Mm -hmm. uh, because they feel that that is a way to drive results and, um, and I think that the, the campaigns that really have done really well for them are the Newcastle Brown stuff, right. which is just a great set yeah. of campaigns. Uh, they did the Honey Made um, mm-hmm. work they talked about earlier. Also, Under Armour, mm-hmm. uh, I I uh, I will what I want, um, which mm-hmm. is uh, uh, another really strong set of campaigns. But all of those are, 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 are kind of delivering mm-hmm. delivering results. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And so, yeah, I think they, they again, they've they've done very well in creative stakes. Uh, I think they were at Age Agency of the Year last year. So they're on a bit of a roll, and that's really reflected in these rankings as well. It's, it's clear that what they're doing is working for clients as well as mm. uh, working for creative jurors. Um, in terms of, of countries, uh, so USA is, is way out in front, mm-hmm. I guess. No big surprise there, mm-hmm. given that so many of the networks hail from that market um, yeah and it's also you know it, it's it's by far the biggest advertising yeah. market in the world so you would expect um uk uh, second again not very surprising india and china though doing very well um, yeah uh, i mean india's got a really strong um strategic culture uh mm. now i think china is is kind of force of numbers um uh, uh i think you know we we do work in a lot of work in asia and India feels very strong strategically at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a there's a there's a uh, a huge amount of good work coming out of there. Interesting. Um, good, I should say, good effectiveness work. I mean, they, there's the you know they yeah. really they really are good at uh, using advertising effectively. It might right. not always win creative awards, but uh, they they they've, they they seem to do very well in the effectiveness and strategy stakes. Right. Okay. And. Going back to this idea of some of the learnings from the campaigns and and what it what what it says about effective work, do you feel that the agencies that you deal with are are adapting quickly enough to um, to these types of requirements? You know, are they adapting quickly enough in terms of making sure they have the skills to develop campaigns that are as effective as as the best campaigns here? Well, um, I mean, it, that's a huge question, obviously. Some agencies are. Right. Some agencies aren't. Um, I mean, there are, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think there are still issues in a lot mm-hmm. of the uh, big legacy networks where there are ways of doing things that are very hard to break. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think that's, you know... I, yeah, I just want you to criticise some agencies. No, <laughs> I mean... I, no, no. Uh, but, it, uh, but they... Uh, I think, look, I mean, you mentioned that we were... We both came from... We both worked at Haymarket once. We did, yeah. yeah. And you could, you could, as an analogy, let's say, you know, has, has the publishing industry moved quickly enough to... Uh, uh, to to these kind of these kind of um, the changes no. in the media world, right. and I, I think the legacy we were, publishers. And I no, think we would both not. say leg- yeah. big legacy publishers. No, because they mm-hmm. are set up on a certain way of doing things, mm-hmm. um, and you know, so it's not surprising that that's the case in the agency world. You know, how mm. if you've got a company that has tens of thousands of employees all over the world, and mm. all of a sudden you're being disrupted by, uh, you know, uh, I mean. Let's, let's take Vol- go back to the Volvo trucks example. Forsman mm. and Bodenfors in Sweden, very good agency. Yeah. Um, but they're producing work that is, you know, that 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 takes huge risks. That is just not the kind of thing that that could come out of. You would think would come out of a a, a big network agency that that is is there to kind of develop. Yeah. Um, the reason I ask is because. Um, and, you know, we see the same thing on the, on the PR side of the fence. But, you know, all of these agencies talk a great game about of course they do. how they're, they're changing. Advertising. Right. Yeah. How they're changing and, and, mm. and the innovation that's happening. 
but um it's it's maybe not it's not happening as as quickly for 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 well, some I the, I, I think I think it is a consistent complaint among mm-hmm. clients uh and there's if you look at work done by the Association of National Advertisers in the US or mm. the WFA mm-hmm. you're always polling their their clients it is a consistent um complaint of clients that their agencies are not either not moving fast enough, not collaborating mm. effectively. Um, and the, the four A's in the US has even set up a, an award scheme for um, around agency collaboration because they feel that, you know, it's just not happening enough. So they need to celebrate the times when it does happen. Mm. You kind of think, you know, from a client's point of view, how annoying is that? That um, that, 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 that collaboration is the exception, not, <laughs> not the rule. Yeah. I'm actually um, thinking it's a great awards idea, but anyway, yeah. yeah. Go on. <laughs> Go on. Um, but it's, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is, it is, a, it is, a, it is a difficult thing. It is a difficult thing to get right because yeah. ultimately everyone talks a good game, but mm. how many, how many people really understand how to put this stuff together? I mean, yeah. you know, and it's a threat, isn't it? Moving, the market's moving. Every, you know, just when you think you've got Facebook figured out, Snapchat comes along and. Yeah, and it's a threat as well. I mean, you've got you're a, if you are a legacy network, you've got thousands of people. Um, mm. You know, you're trying to protect that. That's probably the first instinct. There's there's always going to be that. Now, if you're mm. in a big company, you're you, yeah. you know you're kind of that that kind of is your default yeah. mentality, isn't it? It's protection rather than um, risk taking. So, so it's tough for agencies, as you said. But you you mentioned that you know it's a consistent complaint of clients. It's often a consistent complaint of agencies. Well, yes. The clients are not moving fast enough here. I know. Um, it is. Uh, it is. And you always get this sense that, you know, agencies are always telling clients to be brave and take risks and, and yeah. that kind of thing. Um, I think, I, I, you know... It is. It is very hard to uh, summarize the the whole of the client experience with the whole of the agency yeah. experience. Sure. Um, there are good clients. There are bad clients. Mm. There are very forward looking agencies. There are there are agencies that are less forward looking. But then there are clients that are are, are less mm. forward looking as well. So you, you'd like to think that somehow the uh, the 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 forward-looking agencies and forward-looking clients could get together, and the uh, and the rest can just the, the yeah. rest can the rest should yeah. be had, but it doesn't work that way. It's yeah. um, okay. it's uh, it's just an it is it is inevitable because the industry is changing so mm. so 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 much. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we we did a we did a session on on the launch of the Walk One Hundred. We had three of the top UK campaigns. We mm. had. Um, this girl can by Sports England, great. Yeah. I mean, it, it had strong social elements, but it, essentially, mm. it was a, a strong advertising campaign. Yeah, we had um, holiday spam by three, which is very social led, uh, social led campaign. Um, uh, very lots of lots of digital stuff going on in there, and then we had um, and the campaign for the Economist. Which was all about content delivered programmatically, uh, a, a subs campaign. I mean, absolutely. I mean, just mm-hmm. you see what they did. And you think, oh, this is this is unbelievable. But three completely different campaigns. Mm-hmm. You know, completely different skill sets going into each. Yet all of them under the banner of advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's no wonder that 
you know, uh, one of them is one of them involved kind of uh, the cannabis one involved collaboration between media agency UM, uh, direct uh, mm. digital agency um, proximity, mm. obviously the Economist, and there were the ad tech vendors involved. Uh, I mean, mm. yeah, these these things are not easy to put together, and mm. people are still feeling their way into what works, what doesn't work. So yeah, I mean, of course it's of course it's hard because it's yeah. uh, it's easy. It, I sometimes think it's easy for um, for you know us to sit on the sidelines and say, oh, agencies mm. should do this or clients should do that. But yeah, you know, it's pontificate. Difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I've just completely undercut our. Uh, <laughs> it's actually it's a really fair point. I think it is really hard, and I think sometimes we don't always give agencies the credit they deserve for um, for trying to make these changes whilst, you know, for fixing the airplane while flying. Yeah, I yes. The analogy. Um, but if any of you want to, of course, look at the forward, more forward-looking campaigns and agencies, um, then get over to Walk 100 um, and take a look. Very interesting stuff. Uh, David, thanks a lot for coming by. We'll, we'll get you back in again, I think, and we can talk more about... Um, ad agencies and um, sure, happy and so to. on. Uh, this is Arun Sudhaman from The Homes Report. Uh, we'll be back again with our next show next week. You can check us out on iTunes. You can subscribe via our feed. Please do rate and review us. It's always helpful. Um, you can get in touch with me on all sorts of channels. Um, I may actually respond. Thank you very much. We'll be back. Bye. Thank you all for listening. Thanks to Marketeers 4DC for producing today's show. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. 